Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Talking about Indianapolis, AFC South, Stampede Blue, let's air it out. Fly route, let's air it out. Topics loaded like offense, Colt centric. Talk about it often. Stampede Blue. Welcome back to another Stampede Blue Colts cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Matt Danley. Thank you guys for coming back to the show. Uh, set for the Colts being in their bye week currently, we are getting ready for their next matchup, which is a week seven game against the Houston Texans. Um, through this bye week, Wanted to talk a little more in depth about a couple different areas tonight. We're going to kind of start with Jacoby Brissett uh, because I feel like a lot of people are kind of trying to figure out exactly who Jacoby Brissett is as a quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Um, there's a lot of talk about you know the, the difference between he and Andrew Luck or he and the rest of the quarterbacks uh, in the NFL and kind of what we see him as. Um, is he the guy? Is he not the guy? Is he a franchise guy? Does he have franchise capabilities? All this other stuff. And there's a lot of talk going around lately about it. And I kind of wanted to give my two cents about it. And it's just a, it's a, it's kind of a bare bones approach. But I think that as much as I've talked uh, about Jacoby, uh, both positively and negatively, I want to kind of give a little more of a, you know, through five games, uh, opinion about what I feel he's doing right, what I feel he's doing you know, needs to do much better at and so on and so forth and kind of what he's meant to this offense. And we'll, we'll go through a couple different things. We'll go through the visual, obviously, but we'll look at some of the stats that kind of, in my opinion, kind of give you what you need to know about not only Jacoby Brissett, but what he actually does for this offense and the, 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 the um, trying to discern between the importance between he and uh, Frank Reich in terms of uh, making this offense role so we'll talk about that uh first and foremost tonight and then we're going to go through some of the updated pro football focus grades uh and get you guys out of here we a quick podcast tonight probably about 25 minutes or so uh we're going to have a couple more going on we're going to probably get together with stampede radio at some point in time either later this week early next week and kind of talk to you guys a little more in depth about uh houston texans and, and uh kind of what we expect to see from the colts in week seven so colts three and two through their first five games, I think that any way you kind of slice it there, you're excited about that because it, however you want to replace wins, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the, I expected personally, if you guys recall on these uh, predictions that uh, Jim and I made, I expected the Falcons to be a better team. Uh, I expected, you know, the Chargers to not beat the Colts and kind of, you know, their last several games have kind of decided that as well. <clears throat> But I think that as Colts fans, considering everything that's happened, you know, the Colts come in to the season fairly injury-free. Uh, Andrew Luck 
doesn't practice or do much at all preseason in terms of like training camp and whatnot, like three, four days of it. Then he retires. Then the Colts are still healthy, you know, going through. We got Jacoby Reset as our franchise guy heading into the season. Could be a heck of a lot worse, you know, uh, thinking about it, but we feel like we've got the right team around him. And then the Colts just get pummeled with a rash of injuries. So with all things considered, considering they beat the Chiefs, considering they, they mopped up on the Titans, considering that they kind of blew out the Falcons for three of the four quarters, not that third quarter, the Falcons definitely owned that, but that the Colts kind of beat them up, you know, in a couple different ways through those games. Those three wins, you know, you take the two losses to the Chargers and the Raiders, and you think the Colts should have beat the Chargers considering how they've been playing lately. But the Colts got the very best the Chargers had to offer, I think, in week one. And then you look at the Raiders, and you think to yourself, the Colts should have beat them. The Raiders are a disaster. Gruden has created a circus in Oakland there. But look, man, they went to London and beat one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, you know, what do you think about it? I, I think that the Colts are pretty – I'm pretty happy with where the Colts are at right now, considering that the Colts went on the road to Arrowhead this past Sunday, not only beat the Chiefs, but beat them in prime time and really kind of own that game. You know, I, I, I think that a lot of people see what the Colts can, can be, that they can impose their will on another team if they so desire and if everything kind of goes well. You know, regardless of injuries, and that's a very important aspect of it. Something that people probably lose sight of quite quickly, uh, the way that this league works. You know, week to week. So, um, all in all, excited for this. It's the Colts' bye week; they need it. Um, typically, I like the bye weeks to be towards the end of the season, or at least the second third of the season. And uh, the Colts really needed it to be now. I think right now. So you hope that the Colts get uh, get healthy figure out what they need to do to continue to stay healthy and get better, and then things will roll from there. So, And hopefully they can stay healthy through the duration of the season. But let's get into our Jacoby Brissett talk for the night. Um, like I said, I wanted to kind of discuss this because everybody seems to right now have an opinion on him, and, and I do too. You know, I've long – I mean – this is, Jacoby's no different, and I know that people like to point out that I've critiqued Jacoby quite rough, uh, you know, rashly or, or harshly, I guess. Man, I did the same thing to Andrew Luck. There were things that drove me absolutely bonkers about him, and it didn't bother me to sit here and tell you guys that I think he's doing this or I don't think he's doing that. It doesn't make a difference to me who he is. Right now, Jacoby Brissett's the guy running the show for the Colts, and I'm going to give you guys my honest opinion of him, how they were. 2017, there was a lot of things that he did not do well. He didn't look downfield. He never looked downfield when he was running. Um, very apprehensive to get past that second read and still continue to read the field. He was trying to leave the pocket too quick. You know, he was getting smothered, though, man. He was getting murdered. Uh, led the league in, take, in sacks taken that year with 52, so... I understand part of it, but there were a lot of things that he was really struggling at, and the team struggled around him. The offensive line sucked. Uh, a lot of the weapons that he has now weren't there, uh, so on and so forth. So lots changed since Jacoby Brissett was in under center in 2017. But looking at him this year, you, know, you look at a, a very um, efficient week one against the Chargers, 21 of 27, two tutties. Um, looking at week two, Kind of the same thing, 17 to 28, uh, not as great on the uh, completion rate, but 
three touchdowns that week, another two in week three, 75% completion rate, uh, eclipsed 300 yards passing against Atlanta. You'd like to see that. Some of the passing yardage in week four against Oakland was kind of junk yardage, but another three touchdown game, not a good completion rate, uh, but, you know, did enough, I think, and then actually pulled the Colts back uh, aside from that one interception towards the end of the game, but still made another push. And then we look at last week, obviously, 18 of 29, nothing real flashy, didn't throw a touchdown. One of the only, I think that he was the only guy in the league who'd thrown at least two touchdowns a game up to that point, and he just wasn't great uh, in, in week five. So the Colts won. I think in spite of a, of a pretty blah game from Jacoby Brissett in week five, and, and it just kind of blows your mind that he could even have that game and the Colts could still beat the Chiefs. But, you know, I think that you look at what he did and, and he's dangerous enough in here to where you can – you still have to – and obviously teams have to respect the play action against him. Um, Marlon Mack just tore him up, you know, had another 130-plus yard rushing that – uh, carried the ball almost 30 times. There's a lot of things that go into the success for Jacoby Brissett. And, you know, he, his. you see a couple of these games where his yards per attempt, net yards per attempt, or adjusted yards per attempt, rather, are, are in pretty good shape. And then you look at, you know, a couple of these other weeks, and it's just like, man. And then, you know, week, week five was 3.66 adjusted yards per attempt. That's like barely throwing the ball at all downfield. And there was a couple that he made there was a ton that he threw so short uh but the Colts ended up doing enough like I said the running game he ran in for a touchdown so you can kind of give him that you know uh whether it comes through the air by his feet that doesn't really matter he was responsible for a touchdown himself and uh you know the Colts defense really played their butts off too so through each week we've seen kind of a different piece of Jacoby kind of come to life we've seen the games where he struggled um, we've seen the games where he's he's gone to the next level, so to speak. But I think one of the things we're seeing from him, um, the one consistent thing, I guess we I could say, that we're seeing from him is his leadership throughout this team. And I know you can't really quantify that with a number here on a stat line or anything like that. But he's got the attention of this offense. And we all love how much Frank Reich puts into – uh, this offense and the scheme and how uh, he, he's able to get guys' attention to to really pay attention to detail, to really have them go all in. And I really feel like Jacoby Brissett's a really good leader to kind of be underneath Frank Reich for that. And this offense is, is really, I mean, as a unit, as an entire unit, I, I'm not going to say they're blooming as if they're blowing up and really taking the league by storm, but they're doing a lot. And they're working well together. And you see a lot of their plays, even on bad plays, that entire unit. One of the things that we've noticed, and if you guys have noticed this at all, the Colts could be so successful going through um, the, the in between the tackles with Mac or with Wilkins or how whatever they're doing. And then they'll run outside on this uh, outside zone run, and it just looks like crap. And the Colts either don't get a gain, they lose yardage, or they're very short gains. A couple of big plays have come out of it, but very, very few and far between. And you look at all that, but you see them come back from that kind of a play and either pick up a third down opportunity or 
uh, end up making a second yard or a second down big run. You know, th- th- it seems like they, they snap back very, very quickly. And I think that reads a lot into what Jacoby Brissett brings to that unit in that huddle. Uh, just looking at kind of his base statistics too, it, it's not all bad. He, I mean, you look at his total yardage and he's not pushing anybody for the yardage, you know, title or anything like that this year. He doesn't have 30 touchdowns already or nothing like that, but man, he's slowly but surely, uh, putting up some, some pretty decent numbers. Look, we talk about this elite versus just a guy category kind of, and right now he's not elite. I mean, we, we don't even want to get into that. He's just not okay. This it does he have the potential to be? Maybe. He's I, th- I think he's a middle of the road NFL top fifteen, top sixteen, okay, top half of the league, uh, consistently. But I think he's got potential for top ten play right now. This is only his second year in the league, and he had to sit out basically a year when Andrew Luck come back in eighteen. So you're looking at 2017 with a honestly a crap offense, uh, crap call, uh, crappy play call, very terrible offensive line, fewer weapons, um, and, and just new brand new system thrown right into the fire almost. So I, and I'm not one to make uh, excuses for Brissett, but the reality is what it is, right? And then you look at you know taking a year off. Yes, got more familiar under the system, probably got a lot more confidence behind him as well. And then look at what he's done this year, and I think that you see a. I see. I think that anybody who's anybody would see the growth in that one way or the other. No one has to say, "Oh, he's he's just he's just a guy." Well, maybe he is right now, but he's definitely got the potential to be a top ten talent. And if nothing else, from week to week, he can be a top ten, top five, top eight quarterback. He's got the arm. He's got the 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 accuracy. To a large degree, there are times where he fumble or you know, kind of floozies his way through stuff. But look, guys, when Andrew Luck was under center, one of the things that I said most on this podcast is we've got those OS throws from Andrew Luck, who's going to throw into triple coverage with a receiver, you know, with his back to him at least once a game. That's going to happen. There's going to be a what the hell was Andrew thinking at least once a game. I don't know that I've gone into uh, looking at a throw from Brissett where I really felt that way. I mean, maybe I'm just forgetting it. I mean, even the, the touchdown to, or I'm sorry, the interception from Tyron Matthew against the Chiefs this past week, that was the right read. He should have thrown the ball to Ebron. The problem was he had no touch on the ball, and it should have gone to the back corner of the end zone. Tyron Matthew was moving laterally to make a play on that ball before Jacoby ever let go of it. If Jacoby puts a little loft on that thing, that only thing that keeps that from being an easy, like basically long handoff for a touchdown is Eric Ebron's hands. That's it. So I love the the look that he's given that was a right throw, the right thing to do. Uh, Just didn't end up well. It was a crappy throw. I don't really know that I can say that there have been too many times where I've gone, God, what the hell is Jacoby thinking right there? That makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know that I had come away with too many throws that way. So if we look kind of where he's at this year, let's look where he's at and kind of prorate it a little bit and just look at what, you know, he's on pace for, uh, rather, for the rest of the year. So right now he's at 108 completions for the year uh, thus far. And... 
that puts him on pace for 345 completions uh, with 534 attempts. I think that if you look at that, that's a lot of usage. He, he threw the ball 469 times in 2017. That's a lot of usage for, for Jacoby Brissett. And I think that if you have him thrown that many times, you're, you know, that tells you right there, you've got a guy right now that's uh, looking for a, a, a quite a, quite a, a load to handle for this offense just in general for, uh, for the season. So let's look at what we got in yardage right now. So in 2017, he finished with just under 3,100 yards. Right now he's on pace for almost 3,400. So there's a little increase there, and that's, you know, that's okay. I, I would much rather see him throw closer to 3,700 to 4,000 yards. I think anybody would because that tells you he's going downfield a little bit more. Anything under 3,500 yards, you're kind of, you know, doing the little dink and dunk for the for the most part but let's look at his touchdown percent uh production as well right now he's got 10 touchdowns that puts him on pace for 32 touchdowns for the year go tell somebody at the beginning of the year that jacoby's gonna go 30 throw 32 touchdowns and they're gonna think that the colts have a real opportunity to be pretty successful uh, in 2019 i do if he throws 32 touchdowns i there i mean i'm gonna have a hard time finding something to bitch about uh, with Jacoby Brissett. He's on pace also for just under 10, uh, 10 interceptions on the year, 9.6. Uh, I think that you guys have to love that too. He's right now got uh, his adjusted yards per attempt is higher than, 20, or, yeah, than 2017. Nothing to write home about. Yards per catch you know, right now are significantly lower right now, but his yards per game is higher. His rating's higher. His QER is higher. His sack percentage is way down from 10% to 3.5% from 2017 to this year. So are we expecting him to go from pretty good and looks like a capable backup to elite top five quarterback in one year? Uh, granted, second year in the system, got a, almost a full season of experience in 2017. Now he's getting a full season of experience as the guy. I'm having a hard time complaining about what I'm seeing out of Jacoby Brissett. No, I don't think he's elite. Does he have the opportunity to be elite? Yeah, I think that he kind of does. I mean, I want to see him. I don't know if I want to see him being aggressive more or if I want to see him trusting what he sees more or what it is exactly. But I have no qualms with him, like taking his first read and bypassing it too often. He does it a little bit right now. Um, he does stare down some receivers occasionally, but a lot of times that's just, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's instinct almost. So I'm having a hard time complaining about what he's doing and let's, you know, let's look at it right now. If we're going to talk about it, let's look at, you know, what he's, um, doing with the offense in general, according to football outsiders and their offensive drive, uh, stats, you're looking at, uh, points per drive where the Colts are currently, I'm sorry, yards per drive. The Colts are fifth uh, in the league. They're eighth in points per drive, 14th in turnovers per drive, uh, interceptions and fumbles per drive, all the same. Their line is, or their, their average starting position is not great, 20, uh, 21st in the league. But they are tops in the league in place per drive, third in the league in time of possession per drive, and fourth in the league 
in uh, drive success rate. That tells you right now that this Colts team right now is clicking offensively on all cylinders. And what's more? Okay, so let's just do this too while we're at it. Let's let's be realistic about everything that we're seeing here. It's not easy to do that offensively when you've got a defense that sucks right now. Put that Chiefs game out of your mind for the most part and think about what they did before that. Not much. Right now the Colts are virtually in everything, uh, points per drive, uh, the time of possession per drive defensively, turnovers per drive, uh Average line of scrimmage, they're pretty decent, top 12 in the league. But plays per drive allowed, uh, time of possession per drive allowed, and uh, drive success rate. The Colts are all 25th, 26th, uh, a couple tw- uh, 122 in there, 29s. They're ranked in the bottom five, six, eight teams in just about every category defensively. That's not easy to do offensively is to have that kind of success offensively when your defense literally isn't doing nothing for you so we got to think about that too so I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen from Jacoby Brissett yes I think a lot of it is uh kind of being that he's under the tutelage of Frank Reich but right now folks hey it could be a hell of a lot worse right now Jacoby Brissett's keeping the Colts in games they're in every game they're not being blown out by anybody they, you could legitimately say right now that the Colts have the opportunities to be five and zero. Without, I mean, there you can't even get an argument about that. One score away, and I think that that's pretty impressive right now when you're looking at a guy who's got no more experience than he does. I mean, a lot of the second year guys right now. That's basically Jacoby Brissett. Yes, he had some time back in New England, but in terms of running the team, being the guy having the show under his belt for an entire year. Not a lot of them can say that they've been as successful as he is. Pretty reliable for the most part, too. Ten touches, three interceptions at this point. Winning games, big game on the road, unflappable for the most part. Not really seeing him get flustered or rattled. That's kind of big. I mean, guys, that's big. We didn't. I'll be honest with you. We saw Luck get rattled all the time, I think, personally. I mean, he'd go over to the sideline and he'd say all the right things and all that other crap, but I think pretty much when you see Luck throw one of those what the hell is he doing throws, I mean, it's hard to say he wasn't rattled, I guess. You know, maybe not. Maybe I'm seeing it differently. but And I'm not really comparing the two in terms of their uh, abilities uh, for that matter. I'm just simply saying. I just don't think they're the same, whether you want to call it mentally or leadership-wise, I think Luck was a good leader in his own right. But I think th- that this offense is feeding off Brissett and his confidence and his ability to lead this group. I truly do. So uh, we're going to come back with the updated Pro Football Focus grades uh, right after these messages. Okay, guys, I want to talk to you about Tick Pick. TickPick is a great way to get tickets to see the Colts or any other sports, music, or entertainment event of your choice. Not only will you save 10 to 15% off every ticket order, you can do it without any annoying fees at checkout. Think StubHub, but without the fees. Just head to TickPick.com, select your seats, and head to checkout. Get on your way to the next Colts game with TickPick. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. 
We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, guys, we're back. Thank you for coming back to the show. All right, let's dive right into it. Let's get into the pro football focus grades right now quarterbacks our man Jacoby Brissett that we just spent 15 minutes talking about sitting at 26th overall right now with 59.5 grade this kind of makes me bleh, a little bit um I don't like where they've got him and I'm trying to figure out kind of where it is is it the lack of aggression we've talked about that in the past or what but right behind Andy Dalton in front of Josh Allen and Jameis Winston and I mean that that just kind of blows my mind and then you see some guys who are going downfield but are statistically terrible right now. Just, for example, Baker Mayfield, uh, Chase McDan or Chase Daniel. I'm kind of surprised that's there. I like that Gardner Minshew's actually up there a little higher, but I think that's being a little overdeveloped for some reason. I think that the – but that, it's neither here nor there. This is so early in the season, it's kind of hard to tell exactly where you want to put these guys for the, for the most part, to be perfectly honest with you. But – 26 right now in the league isn't pretty. I mean, it's just not uh, at all. Uh, let's move on to the running backs. Marlon Mack, 10th, tied for 10th, actually, with Carlos Hyde with a 76.0 grade. And then, basically, you love what you're seeing out of Marlon Mack right now. The ability to run between the tackles, second level making guys miss. I love it. You get that speed, that burst, and, and you just kind of feel like the Colts really got something with Marlon Mack right now, and it's really fun to watch. Naheem Hines is 33rd overall, tied with a few guys at 65.4. Looked better with the runs, not that they counted uh, this past week, but uh, he definitely did look better running the ball as opposed to just being uh, a, a simple weapon, you know. Uh, I've long since said he just isn't a – he's not a running back – he is a running back playing receiver and a lot of other positions that the Colts need him to do. But <clears throat> he's he's done pretty well lately behind, you know, behind this line and running the ball. So I'm pretty impressed with him, pretty happy with him as of late. Uh, let's moving on to the wide receivers here. First for the Indianapolis Colts is 
uh, T.Y. Hilton tied at 19th overall with Tyler Boyd with a 77.1 grade. Uh, T.Y. is so important to this team, guys, and, and I don't need to tell you guys over and over how it is, how important he is, but he is. Zach Pascal comes in at 48th, uh, tied with a couple guys, including Larry Fitzgerald, with a 67.7 grade. He's been pretty rock solid for the Colts this year. He's been strong. He's been uh, he's had the ability to go downfield. He's getting open. Um, he's been a part of a few really cool plays too that Frank Reich's pulled up. So I'm happy to see that he was a guy that was kind of on the cusp. I was kind of like, why the hell is he on the roster if they're going to have other guys back there catching punts? But he's done a damn good job as a receiver this year, not just blocking, but he is one of those grunt guys. I mean, he will block downfield. He'll do whatever it takes. He's he's a good teammate to have, and he's productive. Paris Campbell's at 75th overall with a 59.5 grade, and that's kind of hard to decide one way or the other what he really brings. Same with Deion Kane sitting at 101 with a 53.3. Chester Rogers at 109 with a 44.8. So it kind of goes downhill. But the, the, the important thing to remember here is that some of these guys being so young, they're just not they're not getting a ton of snaps. They're not making a ton of noise when they do get the snaps. So that's kind of disheartening. But, you know, it'll come with time. We're five weeks in. Uh, we've got to be a little patient with some of these guys. Moving on to tight ends, Jack Doyle sitting at 16th overall with a 71.8 grade. Molly Cox right behind him, 18th with a 70.9 I think that I really like those, not those two as the future, but I really like Mo Alley-Cox as the future at the tight end position for the Colts. Really liked a lot of what he does, but man, he just doesn't seem to have quite the speed that I thought he did. I think he's a little more agile, a little more athletic naturally, and it makes him look faster, but I just, I didn't see, I'm not seeing a lot of the speed that I guess that I assumed he had uh, with him or in him. That rather uh, lately. Eric Ebron is at 46th overall with a 55.8 grade. Uh, the tight end group is really tough. You know, I, I love this tight end group right now, but they've got to out. I mean, Doyle's been fantastic, but Ebron's got to step up. I think Morale Cox has to really define his role within this group. And, uh, you know, but all in all, they're, they're a tough, they're a tough out for a lot of defenses, and that's something that's going to help this offense tremendously in the future. Moving on to tackles, Anthony Costanzo still at third overall with an 85.1 grade. He's had an excellent year, guys. Fantastic year. Braden Smith, he's at 13th overall, 72.1 grade, tied with Teron Armstead. You have to love what we're seeing out of our offensive line. Quentin Nelson, top-rated guard on PFF right now, 90.9. Uh he's a beast. He's a beast. Everybody loves him. It's impossible to, to not look at him and think he is just going to kill somebody and he loves doing it. He's active. He's tough. He's strong. He's technical. He's everything you want in an interior offensive lineman. And then you've got Mark Golwinski who just isn't having the year he had last year. However, I mean, not too bad. Okay. I mean, he's 38th overall with a 58.4. That's nothing to tell, you know, to write home about, so to speak, but he's doing enough right now to where if Kelly's on, Braden's on, uh, Nelson's on, that this offensive line's pretty stout. He's not just letting people through. He's strong enough to hold them off. One of the things they've got to do is work on 
stopping stunts and anything that they can throw at them uh, with a little bit of misdirection. The Colts have to be able to handle that. Gowinski's got to be – he's going to be the weak spot in that offensive line. That's who they're going to target. So he's going to have a hefty dose, in my opinion, against Houston. He's going to have to step up to the challenge. Uh, looking at centers right now, now Ryan Kelly's had his ups. He's had his downs right now. PFF likes him. They're sitting. He's sitting at 11th overall with a 66.9 grade. Uh, he has been up and down. He's been good, um, but he's had a couple of really bad games. I'm surprised that Pro Football Focus isn't just knocking him out for that. But they don't typically uh, do both sides, it seems. They either love you or hate you the whole year. He hasn't dropped significantly this year at any point in time that I can really recall. Um, so I think that they like Ryan Kelly this year for some reason. But um, looking at cornerbacks, the Colts don't really – you know, have anybody that's up here in the top 25 or, or anything like that. But as a unit, you see how impressive the secondary can be when they all play together uh, and play well together and play a little bit of man, mix that with those zones, and then really kind of drive on the ball as much as possible. And right now, Kenny Moore is the top-rated corner for the Colts at 47th, tied with Kevin King with a 64.2 grade. Uh, right behind him at 57th overall is Rocky Sin with a 61.5. He's going to rise this year. Um, his he's a little touchy in coverage, but man, he's he's athletic. He's he's powerful. He's physical, and he's good. In I think that he runs some pretty damn good coverage. So I, I'm excited to watch him continue to grow this year. Pierre Desirs is 83rd overall with a 52.7 grade. Uh, Pierre Desir had a really good game the other night. I, I think I think he did really well, given that he – I won't say that he took Kelsey out of the game, uh, but Kelsey was not having a good game. Pierre Desir was in his hip pocket a lot. So it was Quincy Wilson. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, they drove him nuts. And I thought that the Colts did a really, really good job of, uh, you know, kind of keeping him in line. I think that was a big part in what the Colts had to do to win the game because they weren't checking him at the line of scrimmage. They were relying on their coverage, and the Colts did a pretty damn good job getting that coverage taken care of, so had to give them the, the benefit of the doubt there. Malik Hooker still sitting at 11th uh, with a 67, or sorry, 76.1 grade. He hasn't played in a couple weeks, not going to play for a few more. I should probably quit talking about him until he does uh, regardless, but that's where they've got him, his grade. I think that was through three games for him. Kari Willis. Kari Willis, folks. Uh, sitting at 20th with a 70.8 grade. He kind of, I wanted the whole, the other day I was listening to somebody talk about him and I don't think that there's a lot of, I mean, he's not just a massive, like muscular specimen or anything like that, but damn it. If he doesn't hit like Bob Sanders sometimes. And I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. And then I was mad at myself for even making the comparison because they're just really not, uh, the same type of player. But, man, he's able to play in coverage. He's not super great in coverage, but, man, he's pretty decent. I mean, he's a little more consistent than a lot of the guys that are up here in the top 15, top 20 in coverage grades. So, I mean, I think that Kari Willis is a real find right now, and I hope that he can maintain it because he's a tough dude. And, man, he loves to hit. He's not a big guy either. So I like what the Colts have in him. I like to, I'm liking that he's going to be able to get some more snaps. Because then we'll really see if Clayton Gathers, when he comes back, deserves to be that guy opposite Malik Hooker when he's back. Uh, 
So, and speaking of Clayton Gathers, he's down at 62nd overall, 56.4 grade. Uh, the safety group's going to be fun to watch, kind of see how it develops and who develops to be in which position uh, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, moving on to linebacker, again, the Colts just don't have anybody up here in the top 20. But after last week's game, Bobby Okariki, good coverage, good tackling, strong, strong guy at the point of attack, 23rd overall right now with a 66th grade. Uh, I like Bobby Okariki. I think that uh, if we can find a way to move him in there to more of a, a heavier, a little bit of a heavier rotation, even when Darius Leonard's back, I think the Colts benefit from that. Uh, moving Anthony Walker in and out a little bit, keeping Darius Leonard in there, doing a three-man rotation with those two. That's a tough trio to be moving in and out between the mic and the will. And I think that that does nothing but improve the Colts' chances. Now, what Bobby Okariki does, especially we saw him in coverage carrying a running back all the way up the seam into the end zone. There are a lot of people have been playing that gif, and I mentioned it as soon as that play happened, that that was pretty impressive. I, was, I mean, a, the running back probably should have caught the ball it bounced right off his hands, uh, at least tore off his fingertips. But, man, Okariki was right in his hip pocket. And I just didn't expect to see him that close or that, uh, that, had to have that ability to really make a play on the ball as it was delivered in the back of the end zone. And he was right there. I think that gives the Colts a little bit of uh, leeway with what they do with their coverages, with their nickel coverages. Can they keep him in there and disguise a little bit of things? with with him in, in there in that rotation i don't know uh just saying that i think that the colts like what they've got in him and if he keeps it up that could probably get him some more snaps if they feel like they can use him in coverage and if he can do anything on a tight end in terms of physicality at the line of scrimmage that's going to be his calling card that's going to be his in and that's going to get him a crap ton of snaps darius leonard sits at 63rd overall with a 48.5 grade I'm anxious to see him come back. Anthony Walker six, uh, sits at 73rd with a 41.1 grade. Uh, nothing ex, uh, you know, exponentially great from, from Anthony Walker. He's making tackles. Um, he's having an okay year. He's just kind of blah right now. You know, I think that the combination of him and Leonard is something special, whether they work well, have the great chemistry together, or whether it's that Walker looks better because Leonard was in there. I don't know. We'll have to see. But uh, like I said, I would really like to see a rotation with him, Leonard, and Okariki. Uh, let's move on to the interior defensive linemen. Uh, the Colts had a pretty good week last week. They finally or finally started to get some pressure from the interior, and they hadn't been able to do that in a long time. Uh, Danico Autry sits at 33rd overall with a 74.2 grade uh, at the moment. And as as the year goes on, the Colts need more from other guys. Grover Stewart has to be a, a better piece for the Colts to be able to create some pressure. Uh, Marcus Hunt has to be able to be a guy who earns that contract. And right now, Grover Stewart sits at 97th overall with 53.9. That's not enough. That's not enough. Good week last week. Got to do more. Marcus Hunt sits at 103rd to 49.4. And uh, I, I'm uh, – man – not only do the Colts need Tyquan Lewis come back, they need to come back and he needs to kick some ass because he's got a job waiting for him as a starter, in my opinion, for the taking. 
he gets in there and starts to create some pressure, starts to show that he can play tough against the run. Uh, as an undersized defensive tackle and kind of an oversized defensive end to, to a degree, um, I, I think that you just have to, you know, see that he's the one of the perfect hybrids. And if he can kind of grasp this opportunity um, post-injury, then, you know, it'll be exciting to watch him. Let's move on to the edges. Uh, really sucks to see that Teray's going to be gone for the year. He was having a good, good year. And, man, he's so young. You see the development that was that was coming in him and um, knowing that he was one of the best speed rushers in, in the NFL at the point, if, if I'm not mistaken, with success rate. Um, so, But at any rate, moving on to the edges, Justin Houston sits at 27th overall for the Colts with a 73.6 grade. Um, what are the Colts going to do now with without Ture? Are they going to be able to find a little bit of extra pass rush from Jabal Sheard? Is Al-Kadim Muhammad going to step in? He's going to be able to be a little more prominent piece. I don't know, but they need to do something. And right now, Al-Kadim Muhammad sits at 63rd overall with a 62.9 grade. Um, I, I, I just feel like the Colts have a lot to be desired at on the edges, and they, they really need uh, somebody to come in and do – what the Colts want to be done. Uh, and, and and let's hope that they can, whether they bring somebody in, whether they, like I said, give more snaps to Kadeem Muhammad, maybe Taekwon Lewis kicks out occasionally, uh, kind of that guy who can play both. Maybe that's why they love him so much. It's hard to tell. But right now the Colts defensively have to get better significantly. Offensively, I think they're going to kind of start getting into their own, uh, and that's going to help them too. So, well, guys, that's what we got for the show tonight. We've got another solid week and a half before we see the Colts take on the Houston Texans. Send it three and two, both teams. Uh, the Texans put a 50-burger on the Falcons and uh, were kind of able to stomp them as they got a big lead. The Colts weren't able to do that, but they did uh, kind of work them over. Colts had a big win themselves against a good team, and that makes a difference. Uh, the Falcons are kind of terrible, so I, I feel like – Anybody in any given day could throw 50 on them. But here's the thing. The Falcons also put 30, I think 32, on the Texans. So the Colts need to find out how to get that number higher offensively, get those points up, put the ball in the air, get more points, enjoy the success rate you're having on the ground, but do more when you've got the ball in your hands and utilizing these receivers uh, when you have the opportunity. Try to get somebody a breakout game because I think that's uh, that's on the horizon, I think, quite quick. So uh, that's all for this week. Uh, I'm sorry, for tonight. And then we'll get, uh, we'll get you guys another show here by the end of the week. We'll have a couple next week before their game against the Texans. And uh, we'll hope that the Colts can sit alone atop the AFC South after their sixth game week seven. Uh, we'll have to see what happens, but it's going to be exciting. We've got a lot to talk about between now and then. Uh, folks, make sure you guys are getting on Stampede Radio. Make sure you guys are getting that here on this feed. Uh, also, with the Tick Pick, uh, get that st uh, the Stampede promo code. Make sure you put that in. That's for $10 off any payment or any ticket order over $99. So anything $100 on the price, get it. You get $10 off. Use Stampede as your promo code make sure you guys are doing that man whether it's concerts 
football games, anything. Do do it and use it. I use it all the time. It's a great service. So uh, make sure, and as always, get yourself stampedeblue.com for all your Indianapolis Colts news and notes and analysis. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again later on in the week. Uh, but that's it for me today on the Colts cast. Stampede Blue.